back to the Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Andy here joining me right now. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, he's to the right of the screen. If you're listening to it on audio, he's going to be saying hello in a moment. It's the owner and the promoter of One Pro Wrestling, which is making its triumphant return in October. Please welcome Stephen Gauntley. Stephen, how are you doing? Oh, hello. I'm, I'm good, thank you. That was a lovely introduction. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, the bride my... work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah more than the tenor next time you might get a longer intro it'll be it'll be fine yeah well it's 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 by check if that's all right i don't know if I still do checks anymore but i'll write you a check that's fine backs transfer as well if that doesn't work you know it's not a problem it's not a problem at all Stephen, thanks for joining us because it's really been a historic few months for you because it was announced recently that october 1st you are back one pw is back why now why is it why have you decided to bring the company back at this point um, I suppose, well, yeah, well, I've been gone a long time and a lot's changed in those years. And I, I guess I kind of persuaded myself for a lot of years that I was over wrestling, that I didn't want to come back. And for a few years, that was probably true. But certainly for the last four, four odd years, it's been an idea that's been discussed between me and my business partners. So it's not just something that at the start of this year, we've, I've just had this zany idea and just fallen into it, as I probably would have done a lot of my ideas when I was younger like I was 25 when I promoted my first show and I'm 43 now so yeah it's a, it's a well thought out plan I've got a full team in place I've got business partners great commercial relationships with organizations uh, and we, we did start talking about this in 2019 um, I know there were sort of rumors about but then obviously COVID hit and all everything that went along with that and time seemed to sort of dilate in that period yeah, well, I think that played to our favour, really. So we just sort of slowed the idea down. The conversations never stopped. And um, so we announced this, I think it was April 11th. Um, but the plans in earnest had been going on for a full 12 months before that, where we were just waiting for the right moment to do it. Um, yeah, so it's been years in, years in the planning, really. It's not just something that's sort of sprung up out of nowhere. How excited are you to bring it back? Because, you know, 2005 when 1PW launched, it really kind of shook the landscape of, of UK wrestling. Not since the days of the FWA had we seen the amount of popularity that the British wrestling was generating with the, the imports coming over and the shows being done. How does it feel for you now realising that we're only, you know, six weeks away from the return of your baby? Well, the time's gone really fast from April 11th and we were like, hey, we've got six months and that seemed like forever. Um, but yeah, six six weeks, I think it's six weeks on Saturday. Yeah. Um, we are super, in fact, we're, we're overly organised, I'd say. Like, we are super organised with this. Um, but I've got, I've probably got every emotion you could imagine. Like, and I used to really, really wear my heart on my sleeve when I was younger. I like to think I am a bit more reserved now. Um, but I'm still somebody who's like very enthusiastic and, I, and obviously I wouldn't be doing this just as a business. There's a thousand other businesses I could think of that where I wouldn't get abuse online, where I wouldn't <laughs> put myself through the ringer. That would be a lot less stressful. So I do genuinely love this and have a passion for it. So the emotions I've got really is a mixture of like, obviously I'm, I'm thrilled, I'm mega excited. I've also got a touch of anxiety. That's not based on any problems. That's, that's I feel that would be a natural emotion like, this was something that was my life years ago and I've not obviously done it for many years. I've got a great team of experienced people, you know, helping to do this. 
Um, but yeah, I've got every, every emotion you could imagine I've got right now. Like I'm just, I'm a little bit anxious, a little bit excited, a little bit nervous. Um, I'm thrilled to be honest. I feel like I feel absolutely honored and privileged to be able to do it. And for the response that it's had and the success that it's had so far in terms of the metrics and the sales, um, the business has outperformed all our projections in the last four months by far. I mean, it's one of those promotions that was always talked about. And I remember seeing the post out of nowhere, pretty much on Facebook, where it just kind of came up saying, guess what, guys, we're back. You know, October 1st, 1PW is here. We're yeah. back. This is the names coming out. And I think I, I liked the post and, and my notifications were blowing up just with people commenting and, and liking yeah. it and sharing it. And I remember back to the early days when we were doing TSC, the original version of TSC with myself and Lee, and, and we had you on. Mm. And the public reaction to 1PW then was immense. It's really like the favourite child has come back home and now we're about to, to welcome them back with open arms again and say, come on, let us back in. Let us see what we can do. <laughs> it, it's going to be electric. And the fact is now the difference, not only, I think you said, older wiser more experienced you can look back and reflect on what went well and what didn't go well like in the old days you've now got fight you've now got a distribution deal with fight so that's a global reach for you now yeah that yeah that must be a huge game changer oh the deal with fight is, a, is an integral part of the whole the whole plan uh, we have a great relationship with the ceo at fight and then the head of digital content uh, he's been uh, so supportive, fantastic. He, it turns out uh, it's so strange because there's people who have got that negative remembrance of 1PW and a lot of that I have to shoulder that because a lot of things went wrong when I was younger. Um, it's been covered ad infinitum. There's a, if you want to read all the gory details, there's a book on Amazon about it, you know, like... Um, but this guy, the, the, the digital content distributor, was a big 1PW fan years ago. And this is a guy that's worked, he helped develop the USC, UFC Fight Pass. He's worked at WWE Network. He was one of the people that helped to build the WWE Network from the, when it was first brought out. So he's a very, very experienced guy and he's been integral in, in advising us, in putting the deal together. So yeah, this event, and we are also, we brought in a producer in, the, in my mind, is the, like the most experienced producer in this country by far. So his realm is to handle the whole of the pay-per-view side and the production side um leaving me free to just sort of do my bit um but yeah the pay-per-view is going to be actually i think if this goes out on monday by the time this goes out it will be up on pre-order on fight um so you can go and buy it now and pre-order it it's we're going to be live next year but we felt for the first show because there's that much like obviously we, we just want to make sure we're delivering this premium wrestling show there's that much to focus on. We didn't want to go live on the first one. We just I felt that was just a, maybe a, a, a dice roll too far. So this show is actually, I think it's, so the show is October 1st, the live event. And I think, is it Thursday's the 6th? I'm not, yeah. The third, yeah, Thursday the 6th, 9 p.m. GMT. So whatever that translates to, to US time is when it premieres on fight. Um, yeah, so anyone in the world can buy this show and watch it. I would have killed for this technology 17 years ago. I really would. I mean, you know, back in that day, it was a DVD market, wasn't it? You know, it was buy the DVDs, tape trade it, you know, similar, similar type yeah. of thing and react to the live audience. Now it's the world's in the palm of your hand type of thing. And you're up there with, you know, you are up there with some of the big boys now in terms of, of global distribution. 
Yeah, and funnily, with, in the, with the DVDs was a huge part of the original One PW model because, and I've said this so many times, it's only because I'm proud of it, is that One PW was the first and still only British-based wrestling company to get retail distribution for our content. So in 2006, 7, 8, you could go into HMV and Woolworths, both retailers that Woolworths is not here anymore. You know, that's just showing the age of it. You could walk into these high street stores and buy 1PW DVDs in the stores. It's never been done, never been replicated. That was a massive deal back in the day. Um, but yeah, I would have absolutely loved this distribution. And all like, there was no social media when I was promoting before. So all of these sort of digital content tools and these like the digital ways to monetize the footage. Um, yeah, it's a huge part of, of what we're going to be doing. Um, and so th th this show, obviously, you could be anywhere in the world and watch this on that Thursday, yeah. rather than it being, you know, waiting a few months for the DVD to drop kind of thing. You can watch it a few days later. It must feel like it's a bit of a walk in the park now, isn't it? You know, with social media and digital content, et cetera, compared to the, the old street teams and walking around Doncaster and postering. Um, no, and... It's a double-edged sword is the internet, isn't it? You know, as it's with all technology, it can be good, it can be bad. Um, in the old days, we had the one, we had the one PW fan forum. Um, and yeah, it was a lot more of the old fashioned, like boots on the ground, postering, things like that. Like that, we've had a big push. The most successful marketing we've done has been through like um, Facebook ads, like promoted Facebook ads. We had a massive response to them and you get such, like, like the thing is the old fashioned promoting techniques, there's no metrics to feed back to you what worked. Like, like I know it sounds dumb, but like you couldn't go and put a thousand posters up and when people bought tickets, know which spots had brought those people in. But with the Facebook ads and how you can narrow the data down and interpret and analyze the data, you can get like metrics so you can run an ad and you can see how many tickets you sold off that ad, how many people liked it but didn't buy, where they live, where, you know, like all that, like you can even get a profile on their sort of like Facebook, like liking history, like do they like, do they favor WWE content, do they favor more independent wrestling content? It, the data that's available in, in that sort of realm is fascinating to me and we've used it. Yeah, that's just it. If you're a number cruncher, it's brilliant, isn't it? You've got literally as much information as you want in the palm of your yeah. hand. Yeah, like, yeah. One of the things that, that I'm loving about the relaunch of UPW is that, uh, 1PW, sorry, is that a familiar feel of who you've actually got involved because ring announcer Sweet Stevie Aaron is back. Yeah, you know, he is. The, the voice of 1PW uh, and, and professional wrestling in the UK, I believe, at the moment. Yeah. How important was it for you bringing this back together to get that old team or some of those old members of those old team back together again for the relaunch yeah it was it was very very challenging because not only in terms of the broadcast team but like so we've got joe dombrowski as the commentator on the pay-per-view yeah. that was a fight tv call as well because he does the commentary for mlw triple a he just commentated on the uh really successful rick flair's last match event so he's the commentator but he was involved with 1PW way back in 2006 you know we've got Stevie Aaron but from a like a wrestler perspective it was really challenging because until we launched like I had an idea that there'd be we were going to draw a lot we, our aim is to draw a lot of more casual fans we're not really appealing to the sort of hardcore indie wrestling fans in the UK because that audience in my perspective has dwindled over the last three four five years and I think if you just play to a diminishing audience, then you're only going to be playing to that audience. So we wanted to appeal to 
a more broader casual set of fans um because in this country like it's a bit like there's shows that appeal to casual fans which is like mega slam all-star wrestling but they're not considered and these words are loaded as well so i'm going to give a brief prefix and say like or a disclaimer that i'm not denigrating any promotion or anything i'm literally just stating my perspectives um i respect everybody that puts this together so you've got companies like mega slam all-star that they're they, they do like mega slam does great business in my mind they must be making the most money out of any company in this country run by brad flash who funny enough used to work for me when he was a youngster um but it's not a premium product and i don't mean that in a disrespectful way but it's not it's a family friendly almost camp style wrestling uh and then you have the like the more adult oriented products like like a progress or a rev pro that play to that it's more matchmaking it's work rate based uh and like i know like with progress it's over 18s i think they've just changed it a bit but it's an adult product mm. um so the vision with this was to why can somebody not be appealing to a family casual audience which is what the most successful promotion in the world ever does every day yeah. WWE, yeah. and also be a premium wrestling product nobody combines those two things it seems really obvious but nobody is doing that um so yeah we wanted to combine that i don't i realize i've gone a bit off the beaten track here i am a rambler no, no, it's fine. So, it's fine. Yeah, so we want, so we didn't know as well. So we want the casual fans, but we didn't know how many of the old nostalgic one PW fans there would be. As it turns out, there's a lot more than I hoped there'd be. So there's been so many people who that's literally like I used to love one PW. I cannot believe it's coming back. I can't wait to go. So therefore, I think that's contributed to this fantastic commercial success of this show so far and the sales, which I think has surprised everybody, including me. Um, but putting the card together. It was very hard with the nostalgic names because a lot of the names that you would associate with one PW in the past are now signed to WWE or AEW. Um, some of the talent sadly has passed away. A lot yeah. are inactive, retired, what can't fly for health reasons. Because this is 15 to 17 years ago we're talking about. Um, but we did manage to like, so we got Ulf Herman who's had neck surgery a year ago and is coming out of retirement for this show. He's a former one PW world champion a very beloved figure to our fan base. We've got uh, Greg Burridge, used to be known as Darren Burridge, who was, in my mind, the most successful British act that we've developed. Uh, we've got Colt Cabana coming back. Um, Christopher Daniels is another one. Um, but it's very hard to, like, obviously, Tracy Smothers would have been first draft pick for this event, sadly, obviously, passed away last year. Um, and some of the talent obviously assigned to WWE. So it's very difficult to put it together. But I think we got a good balance of names to appeal to casual fans, names to appeal to the old nostalgic fans. And then we've got a couple of like the top indie names in the world, like Alex Hammerstone and Ace Austin, to sort of appeal to that fan base. So I think we've ended up assembling really like um, a card that could appeal to any type of wrestling fan in the end. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, just looking at it now, um, you know, One Pro Wrestling are bringing WWE Hall of Famer Rob Van Dam, ECW legend, you know, Impact Wrestling superstar RVD, Ruby Soho from uh, All Elite Wrestling, formerly WWE. Quite honestly, the future Hall of Famer herself, Mickey James, plus yeah. Nick Aldis. It it's really is a stacked con. You mentioned Alex there from MLW. It really is a stacked card of international names with domestic uk names and do you think that's going to be the difference for you going forward because one pw was always known 
for the 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 imports you know it was import heavy is that going to be the same model or will you be looking to adapt to a more uk domestic market going forward not asking you to obviously name names or break break the fourth wall but just intrigued to know if your business model will change yeah well the thing is obviously one pw remembered for all the imports and all that kind of stuff but as well as doing that the old one pw maybe didn't do it enough to begin with but it did give a platform i'm talking about the original one we gave a platform for guys like spud um pack there's a few others that have probably been the speaking out thing now so i won't name them <laughs> yeah. but it gave a platform back then for these talents to become superstars to our audience yeah. so our model now is to like and also the british talent that is available right now i think that there's a, a, a wealth of talent on the scene now but i don't think that there's any specific money draws and that's a few factors that have happened in the business in the UK in the last three or four years but I don't think there's any money drawing stars in British wrestling there's some super talented talent but our goal is to um, and you'll see on this show like there's a ton of fantastic British talent on the show and they're going to be presented like superstars. They're not going to be presented as a B act or a support act to these, you know, household names. They're just as important on this show as anybody that we could fly in. So the model, obviously, yeah, is to going forward is to see which of these British acts is going to catch on with the audience, and uh, and run with that. Like my dream would be to, in a year or two's time, it would be amazing if we could be headlining the biggest show of the year with a all British main event that was built as a, a rivalry over a period of time with these talents elevating organically and naturally and the audience willing them to, to rise yeah. to that point basically yeah yeah absolutely you know mm. you, you touched on on british talent there and obviously the the big changes over the last three years is nxt uk which is is kind of come out signed a lot of uk performers to wwe contracts there is obviously as we're recording this speculation on the future of that brand what do you think that entry into this UK market has done to the UK scene? Has it has it ruined it? Has it elevated it? Has it gone back in that cyclic motion? What do you think WWE have done for the UK? Yeah, well, I've, well, I know the future of the NXT UK brand, but I, I don't want to say because no, no. Then you know how the game works. Um, but I know I heard this all this sort of broke yesterday and what is sort of in, inside the industry. So. I think it will become evident to members of the public over the next few weeks exactly what the future holds for that brand. Um, but yeah, obviously, if I say something, I'll get, I'll yeah, get in big trouble. But I think with NXT UK, it's very easy for people to paint WWE as this big evil corporation. And of course, they are a big corporation. They're a multinational global media enterprise. Mm. They're not really a professional wrestling company. They're an entertainment company that produces wrestling. But like any business in, in like a free market capitalist economy, this is what these corporations do. So they had every right to do what they did. Doesn't make it morally correct. I think that they had a detrimental effect on the business in this country at, on an independent level. Obviously, at that. But see, I think it's it's easy to sort. Of, no, it's challenging to sort of speculate on what would have happened if they didn't do it. But I believe companies. The, the two companies that they signed up to deals to be on the network, I, I believe that them, the way they marketed their product and the audience they marketed to, only my opinion, but I believe that had plateaued at that point anyway. Right. 
Um, but the but the way WWE came in, signed a lot of the talent, the way it was done, um, it just sort of created like a vacuum where the top they were, I guess you could say some of these talent were money draws. Um, you know, if, if you've headlined the progress show at Wembley and it's drawn, I don't know, it was you know, it was a big drawing card that you could argue you were a money draw if you were a British talent. If you had headlined the Hydro in Glasgow, you could argue you're a big money draw. But when they did what they did, NXT UK with the talent, I think it like created a vacuum where there was no money draws to help create the next level and to build that next level. So when you strip the top talent out of any territory, and there's no one to bring the next talent up. So it created like a strange, I, I can't really put it into words, but it created a mechanism in the ecosystem where the guys that were, you know, in the mid card and the lower card, they, there was nothing to piggyback up, up off yeah. of. Yeah. Um, and, and I think a lot of the British talent was sold this dream that you will be a WWE superstar. And in reality, what happened is they ended up with less visibility that some of them obviously have done brilliant for themselves. There was a bunch that turned up on the TV this week. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that some talent from the UK have done fantastic out of this, but I think a lot of talent that signed for NXT UK and thought they were going to be WWE superstar ended up with a lot less visibility. Yeah, uh, than if they hadn't done that. Yeah, I think you can easily look at it and go that you know the names that have appeared on NXT this past week, the Gallus, you know, um, Blair Davenport. To name mm. a few, just coming on is an the interesting NXT UK champion. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to say the name. It's all out there, but I'm not saying the name. That was a weird thing. But you then got guys yeah. that have worked for NXT, such as Rampage Brown and you know Savvy Sid Scala or Sid Scala, whatever he goes through by now. Guys that I've done work with in the past in in, in another independent promotion that had unique characters, and and you know Rampage was this big. Bolshy, you know, big tough guy that are now kind of relegated to nothing. And it's a shame because if it's going the way I think it's going, NXT, and you know, you don't got to be a genius to see the writing on the wall and what's happening. For those guys, it's concerning because now where are they going to go? What are they going to do? What what are they going to be using that WWE NXT UK logo on the posters for years to come to say that I was on that brand? But it's very it's it's upsetting for them and some of them have worked hard to get there. So it's great mm. knowing that you guys are coming back in and willing to, you know, take talent and, and build that domestic bridge. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you said a few minutes ago, if I may, and that was about being the only promotion to have your DVD products in high street retailers, in HMB, in Woolworths. I remember going into my local back in, in Poole and Dorset Picking up a know your enemy, uh, a no turning back, popping it in the popping it in the DVD player, watching it going. This is fantastic. But why has it only been one PW? Why do you think the market hasn't been there for companies like ICW, Progress, Rev, um, WAW, PCW? There's a lot of variables, isn't there? Because obviously you, we were in a different era and a different time. Um, I don't know if those companies that have existed when 1PW existed, if they'd have done it. I, I, I can only speak from my lived experience of it. Because, and, and at that time, I can tell you it took an awful lot of work to get those yeah. deals in place. It took an awful lot of persistence. Um, and we did have that 
buzz that we bought the buzz to start with because we were flying in 20 Americans. Like it wasn't just like we had the best independent wrestling lineup in the world in 2006, not just in the UK. Like that was the best indie lineup that you could, and it had talent from uh, Japan, some of the old ECW guys. We had all the top, the rising TNA talent like Joe, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. And we had ex-WWE talent. We had top Ring of Honor talent. Like it was a melting pot of um, like talent from all over the world mixed in with some some of the best British talent that we were trying to push. Um, I, I don't know why no one else has achieved it, to be fair. I, I can only speak for, for, obviously I've made a lot of mistakes in the past in wrestling, but I can only speak for my company's achievements. And I just know that we did do it. Mm-hmm. And I know we've got massive, massive plans for revenue streams in 2022 and beyond um, that I would hope if everything goes according to plan, we'll be doing things in British wrestling that you've not seen for years or that nobody's achieved. That's the goal. That's the vision. Can't wait to see what those plans are. I really can't. I mean, let's go back to the original day. So, you know, we said it launched in 2005. Your era ended 2008. You've talked about this before. We're not going to go into much detail on it. What did you do in the gap between 08 and, and the comeback? Why did you leave? Why did you take a break? For those who don't know the story. Yeah, I mean, I, actually, I just did a podcast. I've not done wrestling podcast. I've done one podcast in the last sort of 12 years wrestling. And then I did a podcast with my friend Matt Myers the other week, which was more, um, it was touched on wrestling a bit, but it was more about uh, addiction and recovery and my life and my personal previous battles with with mental health issues and with addiction so mm. if anybody wants like the gory details of of that i would urge them to check that out. it's called the renew believing people it's not a wrestling podcast so i will plug it on here and it's not your competition no if no no we're, we're, yeah. we're gonna put a link to it in the narrative on yeah. both the audio cool. and the youtube feed because yeah. i've watched it and, and i've listened to it as well and, and i first off you know can i just say before you talk yeah, yeah. Full, full credit and full respect for you for saying what you did and explaining it in the level of detail that you did. You know, I've I've suffered a lot of my listeners will know from the years gone by that I've had mental health issues and and a couple of breakdowns. I'm now a qualified mental health first aider. That's what I do. It's part of the training. But for someone of your stature who is well known, who can openly admit that they made mistakes back back in the day when they were younger, as we've all done. Mm. The, the fact that you've opened up so much on that podcast is uh well it's it's full respect absolute respect to you for doing that oh thank you i appreciate that i think the the myth, the, the idea behind that was um Nikai, I, I made a lot of mistakes when i was younger but i also suffered a lot of like uh, internet speculation what you'd call cyberbullying now I had people that have never met me saying things about me. Like the the people who know me couldn't believe that people would say about me. Um, So I just thought I'll get the jump on it this time. So (laughs) if I am willing to bear my soul in, 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 in respect and say, look, this is, I'm a human being. I'm not, I'm not just the guy that made one PW, like I'm a human being Mm -hmm. and I, I have suffered and I've got dreams and I've got, and I've got regrets, like we all do, like to be human is to be imperfect. So I thought if I express all that, you know, obviously I didn't say the full story because the full story of my life is not something I'm gonna tell the public, but I gave mm. enough information, I think, to to like 
give a picture of my background, the things that happened to me in my childhood, my addiction issues, and two bouts of two times when I got recovery and got clean and dealt with my mental health issues, I thought that if I uh, get that out in the open, so to speak, then nobody can call me on it because, well, I've already said it. Mm. Um, So I've owned it. Um, but yeah, so the question being, obviously, when one PW, when I left one PW, I, as I said in that podcast, I leveraged my debt to the fans, which to to. So I left one PW with nothing. The company that I'd give everything to, uh, I lost my house, I, I lost everything. I'd worked for all my staff got laid off. Um, a couple of months after that, my dad, who's been the most important human being in my life, had passed away suddenly. Um, so all these things combined and I had a, like a complete mental breakdown. I was in the throes of um, of, of addiction. Uh, I'm surprised really that I made it through to 2009, 2010, 11. Um, but I'm nothing if not resilient, you know, um, and I did. But I was so ashamed of, of the narrative that I believed for years about wrestling that um you know, I was so ashamed that I just, and I was sickened by it, that I didn't want anything to do with wrestling. And to be fair, it took years. I think a lot of people would have folded at life at that stage. Um, and I, it was a, a thing I contemplated a lot of times. I'm not saying I would have killed myself or whatever, but I mean, I, mm. I did near enough give up on life. I'd went from, I had a lovely house. I had, uh, I'm not a materialist person, but I had everything that I could have ever wanted in that regard. And I went to renting a, a pit house in, a, in Rosington. Uh, driving a 500 quid car you know like I um, I pretty much lost everything you could lose materially spiritually physically emotionally uh, and it took years and years to to get back on an even keel um, but that I did and then I spent even more years building up a business away from wrestling diligently patiently uh, all the while never thinking I would ever go back to wrestling I never thought the opportunity would present itself or that I would a- be able to come back or that I would want to but as it turns out I guess fate or the universe or whatever had this in mind because I through chance met certain people and that led to other chance situations and meetings and um, here we are today yeah it's just an incredible story I mean it's an incredible tale and it, I think story is the wrong word you know to use when you're kind of doing these it's it's, it's what do you say to, to to put it into concept but the what words, what, what advice would you give anyone who is listening to this or watching this now that is going through something similar? What what advice would you give them? This isn't why we're doing the show. It's a wrestling show, but I think this is an yeah, important topic. Right. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think just to be succinct about it, it's, it, it's hard to give advice because when you're in that dark place, the advice just seems like it's taking the piss because you, you just yeah. can't listen. Um, but yeah, and it all, it's, all this advice sounds cliche, but cliches are thus for a reason because through repetition they've become true. Um, and if you are in a dark place with mental health, with addiction issues, um, there is always a chance to change. And I know that not a very small, I used to work in the services as well, so I've worked in addiction recovery work. Um, only a very small percentage of people really ever get that change and get that chance to make a change. Um, but there is a possibility for it to happen. And if you're in a dark place where you're like, you don't want to live anymore, then it is, it's like, that's a permanent solution to something that will pass, emotions do pass. And it does sound cliche, but life's always got a new opportunity around the corner. But if you're dead, you're not gonna be there to grasp it, are you, you know? Yeah. 
yeah absolutely full credit to you let's 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 turn it around let's let's go back to, to what we're doing because this morning releasing this on monday um you made a press release huge press release detailing yeah. future events can you give us a bit more detail on on what that press release was saying what are the events coming up in 2023 <coughs> yeah uh, we've just announced two shows, um, which to answer everyone's question of, I think people maybe thought this would be a one-off, a reunion type show, but the plan was always to build a long-term sustainable wrestling business with multiple revenue streams and things are going really well. So we're, we're quite happy to announce the next phase of the plan. So we will have announced by the time people listen to this that we are back in the Doncaster Dome on April the 22nd for All or Nothing, which is where the one PW World men's and women's titles will be decided that evening. So that's in the Doncaster Dome. But before we get to the Doncaster Dome, we're February 18th, Saturday, February 18th, we're debuting in Lincoln at a venue I've loved for years called Engine Shed in Lincoln, which has hosted loads of brilliant music acts. It's a fantastic high-tech venue. Um, nothing would ever, could ever be the Doncaster Dome, but we did want to have this sort of dual venues situation. Um, and funnily, the Doncaster Dome's got this like dinosaur ex exhibit. After our show, <laughs> for months and months, there'll be nothing on at the Dome because the, the Dome Arena is being turned into like a, a permanent exhibition, not permanent, but like for a, a certain amount of time. So we cannot get back into the Dome physically for six and a half months. And I just thought, that's a long time to make people wait because I'm pretty sure people will be absolutely psyched when they've witnessed a new twist of fate on October 1st because I'm damn sure it's going to be an absolutely world-class show. Uh, so you don't have to wait till April 22nd. So yeah, February 18th, we're at the Engine Shed in Lincoln, which is only an hour away from Doncaster. Uh, again, we've got a great relationship with the Lincoln Students Union, which the Engine Shed is part of their facility there. In, in, I love Lincoln, wonderful, beautiful city. Um, and I think we're going to get some of the sort of hardcore one PW fans travel over to that mixed in. We're going to bring in yet more fans exposed to the product through a, a commercial partnership with the Students' Union. Uh, and um, yeah, I think it can only grow the brand, really. And that's, and these, that's what we'll have announced. And will these shows be live on fight or will they? Or I, I'm assuming the April one will be live on fight. Would the February one be? The plan is, yeah, I think the plan is, although subject to change but the plan right now is to from april onwards we go live on fight on pay-per-view um we wanted to do the first one in october but then we thought well we're in a whole new venue in february so we want to get that one done as well and then once i'm quite happy with with everything and the logistics and how the whole because bear in mind that the team that we've assembled has got some very experienced people from the wrestling business but none of us have worked together in this exact dichotomy so i want the yeah. two shows for the team to all work together, for the fans to feel happy with the product and to see it grow. And so from April onwards, I would highly suspect that that will be then live on pay-per-view, which is another massive undertaking. Um, yeah, that's the plan. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, if you want tickets for... Uh, the the events for UPW uh, for one PW. I keep calling you UPW. I don't know why. For one PW, then it's one PW tickets uh, ticks .com. We'll put full links up yeah. on all of our uh, social medias, mm. etc. Um, it's going to be fantastic because Twist of Fate is one of your iconic shows. Now being a new Twist of Fate with the talent that you've already talked about, with All or Nothing in April. The, the future is looking extremely bright and rosy for one PW. Yeah. But what's next? 
what's next after april where do you see it going how many shows are you planning to consider running per year per se or is that well to be decided it's it's no we've got a plan but i don't want to really reveal too much at this stage because i think we've had a very <clears throat> calculated um maybe the wrong word but we've had a very well thought out way to present this information to fans that we didn't want to yeah. give too much away to start with but after April, we are back in the dome a couple more times in 2023. We'll be back at the engine shed. Uh, also on the afternoon of um, No Turning Back. These are all the original retro one-view show titles as well that we've chosen. We went through loads of ideas and we uh, we went for the original show titles. So on the afternoon of No Turning Back, we're debuting a concept of a show called Fearless, which is going to be a series of shows. And if any old one you fans remember the original Fight Club events. Remember when the dream became reality. When a monster was unleashed. When kings captured their crowns. When a phenomenal one captivated the masses. We remember. The true legends honored. The cult heroes adored. And the young warriors catapulted into superstardom. For those that remember, it was lightning in a bottle. And on this night, 17 years later, lightning strikes twice. So on the afternoon of February 18th, we're debuting uh, an afternoon card, which is called Fearless, which is going to be a series of cards uh, throughout, you know, into the future. If any one Premier fans remember the old Fight Club shows, it's based on the ethos of that. So the blurb basically reads something like, where the one Premier fans can witness the stars of the future um, like battle for their chance to compete on Fight TV pay-per-views. Uh, so this is just because those, if you look at the lineup for October 1st, like that's, it's a cliche, but it's like it's all killer, no filler. Like there's, it's nine main event matches on that card. There's no room for um, looking at some potential new talent. There's no room for anything that's not an absolute main event level match. And that's going to be going forward on the five pay-per-views. It's going to be shows of main events. Um, so what we wanted to do is there's so much brilliant talent in Europe that we wanted a platform to be able to feature some of this talent and patiently expose our audience to this talent and, and take a look at some talent and build that talent patiently in a, in a less pressurised setting. So it's just going to enable us to open up the, the roster, really, to have a much more varied uh, uh, like selection of British and European talent. Um, and again, that it's one people is very much fan-led, uh, so it's then up to the audience, like, who do they take to, that they see it fearless? Who do they take to? Who do they either boo or cheer the loudest? 
and who do they react to and it could be someone that I've got my eyes on that we that we in the management team have already thought this is somebody we're going to really build and work with or it could be somebody that no one's even heard of yet um there's a couple of students at the I live near Grimsby and um I work with the Evo Wrestling Academy in Grimsby head coaches Nathan Cruz and Matt Myers there's some fantastic talent in that school um, that I'm already working with that I would see a couple of those people getting a chance uh, going forward in the new year um, I know uh, people when I had the one preview academy years ago people said I'd like I rushed and over pushed academy talent that's not the case this time these are people who've been training for years and years I'm just saying there's some absolutely stellar talent out there that um, it's going to give me a chance to work with more on a one-to-one -one basis and develop some some stars hopefully so that's that's also into the plan so I I would think you'll see those shows on the afternoon at the domes as well. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Cannot wait for this. I mean, it's going to be, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it as a wrestling fan, forget being a, a podcast host or whatever as a wrestling okay. fan. Um, this is really tickling the taste buds because finally it's back. And, and like I said to you at the beginning of the, of the show, it's got so much fan appreciation and so much love that to bring it back is, is, it's amazing. Now, just before we begin to wrap up, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things uh, yeah, sure. in the in the bigger world of professional wrestling as we do this, because it was only a couple of weeks ago that the big announcement from uh, New York came out that Vince was retiring and Triple H has taken over as head of talent, head of creative, mm -hmm. Stephanie and Nick Khan, co-CEOs. What's your take on the product now? Has it has it changed? Is this what WWE needs to regain its position? I think. I choose my words wisely. Yeah. I think that people are maybe seeing what they want to see right now, fans are, because it's often been a sort of a, an idea amongst the fan community that Vince McMahon's out of touch, doesn't know what he's doing, and Triple H is this pro wrestling person and he could save WWE if only he was given the chance. So I think potentially, I don't think the product's changed that much. Um, I think fans are potentially right now just seeing that that's a prophecy that they wanted to come true. So they're potentially saying that that's what's happening. I don't know how much the actual st structure in WWE has changed. Um, I want to choose my words wisely because um, because reasons that I don't want to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would, I would say about Vince McMahon, this is not a comment on him as a human being or as a person or as a father or a husband or a boss. I would just say that he is the most successful wrestling promoter of all time. And the vast majority of people in the wrestling business, wrestling fans, would not have been exposed to wrestling or have become wrestling fans if it hadn't have been for this man. So as a businessman and as a wrestling promoter, um, I would never not respect him because I grew up watching 80s WWF I, I soon became a tape trader in my early teens and I was interested in you know the old Japan the um, territories Memphis NWA but I wouldn't have got that interest if I hadn't have been watching the WWF shows in the 80s so I wouldn't be talking to you now if this man Vince McMahon hadn't have been a wrestling promoter so I would always say no idea what he's like because none of us have met him no, it's, it's just all it's the persona of this person. And I, I'm not going to speak to the allegations against him or anything like that because I'm not qualified. And really, it's I don't know. But none of us have met him. We've just got this idea in our heads of who this guy is. And I think most of it is based on the persona that he both played on TV for a long time and also that he probably wanted to project to people because 
to, to run a wrestling company, especially one of that size, you need to be respected and you need to be feared and you need to almost be the bad guy. So I don't really know what I'm trying to say about it. I'm not putting him over there. Say. I'm just saying that none of us really know the truth. We can just speculate, can't we? But um, I've, I've always been a fan of the WWE product, even when it's been in this sort of more generic malaise in modern times. And, and it's cool as a, as, a, as a sort of an indie wrestling fan to slag it off and say it's no good. Um, but I watched the SummerSlam pay-per-view and I thought it was fantastic. I don't watch the weekly TV or anything. So maybe I'm like, I maybe watch three or four pay-per-views a year and I sit down, I give them my undivided attention and what a fantastic like, entertainment spectacle. Mm. Like I know Kerry, my partner, um, the Brock Lesnar, she doesn't like wrestling at all. I once made the mistake of showing her Brian Danielson versus Hangman Page. I think it was the 60-minute draw, which I, as a wrestling fan, loved. It was amazing. Yeah. She hated it. But she loved Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns with the tractor stunt. She loved yeah. the Jack match from WrestleMania. Um, and she, she, they're probably the only two matches that she's watched in entirety. And I put the Brian Danielson match on for her, and she's like, it just did not interest her at all. Um, and I look at her as somebody that, like, could be a potential wrestling fan. I'm not saying I'm going to convert her or anything. It's <laughs> um, but but yeah, I just think you got to zoom out a bit on what it, what wrestling is. I personally don't think wrestling's about work rate. Right? I got flamed for saying this. I think wrestling's about characters, moments, emotions, things that pull you in. Work rate right, that the moves you do are only the tools to. Um, get the audience invested in your persona and your character. The moves are, are literally a tool. You look at some of the greatest... I, this word's banned in one PW, but performers, like if you look at some of the greatest performers of all time, um, they did very little. They did very mm. few moves. Um, they, they weren't like Dave Meltzer five-star classics. Like my favourite wrestling match of all time is Hulk Hogan versus The Ultimate Warrior. WrestleMania 6, 1990. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, closely followed by Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. You know, WrestleMania so, 18, yeah. Yeah, Very so um, you, you would analyse them as a Dave Melt through a Dave Meltzer lens and say they were crap, but they were like epic moment-based matches, yeah. psychology masterclasses. I mean, yeah, I, I know the question was, how has the WWE product changed? But that's no, me. It's, it's fine. My, my last thing before we wrap up is we're recording this 29th of August, so a week to the, a week on Monday, 30 years anniversary of SummerSlam 1992. We've done a special show on that. That's releasing yeah. as, as bell time. As a wrestling fan growing up and in that period, what do you remember of SummerSlam 1992? Do you know, I was so blessed in my childhood materially in that there was a lot bad in my childhood, but the good things were I got to go to, because I was grew up in Doncaster, so I went to Sheffield Arena often, every year pretty much as a kid. So I got to see... I even saw Andre the Giant at Sheffield Arena. I got to see oh, wow. all my childhood heroes, Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. I saw Austin versus Rock in Sheffield Arena in the 90s. Like, I've seen everybody I could have wanted to see. <clears throat> and the summer of 1992, me and my friend, who was the biggest wrestling fans in the school, we washed cars, like, all leading up to SummerSlam. And his dad had promised us he was going to take us to SummerSlam 92. And in the end, he couldn't get tickets and he just bought us because we were collecting the Panini sticker album, WWF Superstars Panini sticker. And in the end, he just bought us like 20 quid worth of Panini stickers. Um, so I had to, when it was like on tape delay on Sky and yeah. it was all, the order was messed up. 
Yeah. Um, so I didn't go to that. Like I went to so much cool wrestling, but I never went to SummerSlam '92, and I was absolutely. That is between <laughs> that and when I never got Lego Space Monorail at Christmas one year. There was the two like material disappointments of my childhood. <laughs> it's good but to know the SummerSlams up there. Oh, yeah. it's fantastic, wouldn't it? I mean, you talk about matches. You 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 would be reversed to talk about Bret Hart versus Short uh, versus the British Bulldog, the main event. Yeah. I mean, it's the one match. Check us out next Monday. It's a plug for me. Check us out next Monday, seven o'clock release date, as we are going to get the old team back together. It's Lee and I back together again, doing a 90 minute recap of SummerSlam 1992 and our memories and opinions and all that type of thing. So it's going to be a good one. So that's next yeah. Monday. Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on the show for the first time in, in 15, 16 years. Um, one last little shout out, new twist of fate headlines, the Doncaster Dome on the 1st of October, 2022. It's back. One Pro Wrestling is back, putting on some of the biggest shows, featuring WWE Hall of Famer Rob Van Dam, AEW's Ruby Soho, Mickey James, Nick Aldis, just to name a few. You can get tickets now at 1PWTix.com. I don't believe there's not many left now. If, yeah, if we're, we're at about we're at about nearly thirteen hundred and counting. Um, wow. We could probably close it off fifteen. So I know a promoter. It would be remiss of me, like it is my job to promote and market this. Um, but no bullshit. Like this show has sold extremely well. If you're thinking of like saying I'm going to wait till the day to buy tickets, I don't think there'll be tickets left on the day. I would be surprised if we if we didn't sell them over the next month. So there is seats left. But they're yeah. in the, the all the best ones sold out straight away. So you can get seats in the upper tiers uh, or on the balcony. So they're the cheaper seats left. So there's tickets starting at 25 quid. But I would wow. also just like to promote while I'm on here that in the afternoon is the Fan Slam event where you can meet and get photographs with Rob Van Dam, Christopher Daniels, Mickey James, Ruby Soho, Nick Aldis, Ace Austin, and Alex Hammerstone. And one final plug the 10th, we do a full day of activities because I think a lot of fans. Over half of the fans going will be travelling from quite far away and staying over. So we're making a full itinerary and day of it. So like a good promoter, I have added an extra upsell event. So at 10.30am is the um, Street Hooligan Adventure Gang Breakfast Bash with Greg Burridge and Colt Cabana. Breakfast not included is the small print. Oh. So you can go to that as well. And we've said you don't know who's going to show up from the 1PW roster. So... There'll be more than um, Team Shag at that event. So there'll be a couple of the other talents that are already there in Doncaster. And um, I'll be there having my breakfast. Not that that's a draw. But yeah, it's, um, so you can start giving us money from 10.30am. If you go to you know, com or oneprowrestling.com or on the socials or whatever, I'm sure you'll put the links up. Fans yeah. can see all the opportunities to, to get involved and all the different activities that, that are going on that day. Gonna be fantastic. And one other thing to mention because this is big news: uh, current MLW World Heavyweight Champion Alex Hammerstone will wrestle in the UK for the very first time at mm -hmm. a new Twist of Fate on October first. What a landmark that is for that young man to come to the UK to compete on your return for the first time in front of fifteen, sixteen hundred raving fans in Doncaster. Yeah, and it's the first time the MLW titles, World Heavyweight title's been defended in Europe. He's wrestling, in my opinion, probably the greatest technically professional wrestler in the UK, Nathan Cruz. So it's going to be a huge mark, one of many main events. Um, but Alex Hammerstone is like my prototype for the perfect professional wrestler. 
Um, you know, like he, he's got grace, he's got style. He reminds me of a cross between like Hulk Hogan, like 80s Hulk Hogan and 80s Barry Windham. If oh, wow. Fans are That's a combination. Stuff, yeah, like he's got the grace and movement, but he's a, a big uh, muscular framed guy. Uh, but he wrestles that more strong style, indie style. I can't wait to see the fans' reaction to him. And obviously, Nathan is a wrestler that I absolutely adore. I think he's absolute world-class talent. And he's just one of a few rest British wrestlers on this show that are going to get this opportunity there to go out there in front of this red-hot, big crowd. Mm. And, um, you know, how does the crowd react to him? I think, hopefully, we I've got really big plans to, to hopefully work with Nathan a lot on some stuff. Uh, yeah. Good old Nathan Cruz, the, the show stealer, Nathan Cruz, as he used to be known. Uh, phenomenal UK talent, met him a few times as well. Mm. Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on, as we said. We've given all the details for A New Twist of Fate, not forgetting that it is going to be available on Fight. You can watch it on a tape delay. Uh, and of course, the big news about February and April of 2023 with UPW, uh, 1PW back. I've <laughs> really got to stop saying that with 1PW back. Uh, putting on more shows in Lincoln and, of course, in Doncaster. Stay tuned for TSE. We'll be giving you all of the recaps, the results, everything for 1PW going forward. Stephen, I hope we could bring you back on uh, to talk about it again. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been my privilege. I am just uh, ecstatic that anyone cares about anything that I've got to say. Uh, yeah, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you very much. I've appreciated it. And thank my you pleasure. to everybody that supported 1PW so far. We will not let you down. This show is going to be fucking amazing. Can't wait. We will put the expletive at the beginning of the podcast. Um, <laughs> st Stephen, stay with me for just a second. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of The Squared Circle uh, with some uh, very quick news bits. Until then, we'll see you after this. Thanks for your time. Thank you. This is the whole effing show, Rob Dan. Damn, you're listening to me right now on the Squared Circle because this is where all the real stars are at. Welcome back to the Squared Circle. Uh, my thanks to Stephen Gauntley there for taking the time to speak to us about the return of 1PW. It is going to be absolutely fantastic. Check out tickets still available at 1PWTicks.com. Again, my big thanks to Stephen Gauntley for taking the time. Right, let's look at some news, shall we? Some breaking news that's happened over the past few hours. And that is that Jeff Jarrett has gone again from WWE. Now, as we all know, back in May, Jarrett was brought back as SVP of live events. It was rumored that he was in quite a senior position. But out of nowhere, Jeff Jarrett announced earlier today via the news sheets, not by Jarrett, that he was gone from the WWE. What is next for Jeff? We'll hopefully find out sooner or later. Um, for me, I think it's a massive shame that Jarrett has gone from WWE. I think that the years as a promoter that Jarrett's done, both his impact in Global Force and the WWE as a performer, he was really going to bring something to those shows. And uh, I hope uh, things we find out why, maybe on My World, the podcast with Jeff Jarrett from Conrad every week, hopefully we'll find out a bit more. But as of now, Jeff Jarrett has gone from the WWE. Talking of people who have gone, uh, Tennille Dashwood has also left Impact Wrestling. Now, she's been with Impact since 2019. Uh, 
quietly over the weekend it was found that her name had been removed from booking sheets and internal documents now been confirmed that her contract has expired and she is now a free agent Tennille Dashwood has been with Impact since 2019 most recently teaming up with Madison Rain to become half of the Impact Knockout Tag Team Champions of course Madison Rain is now in AEW as the women's coach does that mean Dashwood could make an appearance on Dynamite let's wait and see but Neil Dashwood as of now has gone from Impact and our last bit of news talking about goodbyes we're saying goodbye to NXT UK but hello to NXT Europe we talked about it very briefly in the interview with Stephen Gauntley just a few moments ago but as of last Thursday NXT UK has officially been disbanded it's going to be replaced in 2023 uh, by this NXT Europe, which will be taking performers from Germany and Spain, Australia, you know, all over Europe, basically, France, all that type of thing. But there have been a number of releases for UK talent. Zia Brookside, Dave Mastiff, Sid Scala, Flash Morgan Webster, Trent Seven, just to name a few, are now no longer under contract to the WWE. Let's add Charles Samuels into that list as well. What is that going to mean? For the UK scene going forward. It's quite an interesting time. I mean, we talked about it briefly, as I said on the interview with Stephen just a few moments ago. But what does that mean for the UK scene? Will many of them or will any of them be re-signed to the WWE when it becomes NXT Europe? Who knows? Let's find out. For us, though, that is it. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, episode of The Squared Circle featuring this interview, exclusive sit-down interview with Stephen Gauntley. Um, coming up next week, well, we're going back to Wembley Stadium. In association with the Brit Bucks podcast, I'm uh, going to be welcoming Lee Tyers back. We're going to be looking a deep dive for SummerSlam 1992. We're going to be releasing it 7 p.m. on Monday the 29th of august exactly 30 years that SummerSlam would have aired uh live at the old wembley stadium so we're going to be releasing that next monday that's it for us uh thank you once again for joining me and for my guest stephen Gortley. we will see you all next week but until then have fun see you later see you at the matches everybody, this is Bill Laughter, and to some people I'm known as the guru of pro wrestling journalism. Well, I'm glad to be here, right here, on the Squared Circle.